Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A little naughty. No, it's not. It's cheeky. It's illegal, too. Hi, I'm Zach Booth, and this is Out of the Closet Sports, your weekly sports podcast where we talk about all things sports from the gay perspective. Y'all, I have have a huge announcement that I need to make. (laughs) here on the podcast something i don't even really know how to say it something has changed <laughs> within me you know you know what i mean yeah like something is just not the same not. and i've just decided that for myself uh-huh. like today on this episode of the podcast i am through with with playing by the rules of someone else's game Ashe. you know whatever Absolutely. game it is and it's it's too late for second guessing, so I'm, mm-hmm. ju- I'm just going to cut right to the chase. Well, it's also too late to go back to sleep. It is too late to go back to sleep. We're up. We're, We're up. here. It's 11 We're in o'clock. the out-of-the-closet sports studio, <laughs> which is also known as the corner of my living room. And I would like to introduce enthusiastically <laughs> my friend, somebody that I admire so much, who has decided to join us here on the podcast today, Kimber Elaine Sprawl. Yeah. And that is at Kimber Elaine Sprawl on Instagram. Kimber is K-I-M-B-E-R, Elaine, E-L-A-Y-N-E, Sprawl, S-P-R-A-W-L. Kimber is currently playing Nessa Rose on Broadway hey. in the smash hit musical Wicked, which is at the Gershwin Theater, yes. right? Yeah. And it just had its 20-year anniversary. So it, it is like this huge important mega time to be a part of what is a huge important mega musical mm-hmm. that has changed the face of broadway uh, kimber has also originated the role of marianne lane in the tony nominated musical girl from north country which i was obsessed with and i had so much fun coming to see and you also uh performed in the broadway musical beautiful mm-hmm. and a bronx tale mm-hmm. so this is Kimber Elaine Sprawl. Hi, Kimber. Hi, <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I um, I just, when I was thinking of people that I wanted to have come on the podcast, I immediately thought of you because, first of all, you're a star and you're having this incredible moment. And I want to talk a little bit more about Wicked later. But uh, right now, I think it would be cool for us to just talk about, like, aside from the stardom, like why me, Zach, thought that I wanted to have you on the podcast. I was really surprised. Yeah? Yeah. You didn't I mean, see I don't coming? really consider myself, you know, a sports enthusiast per se. Yeah. But that's cool. I guess I am. Well, yeah, <laughs> and and I I think part of the part of what I like to talk about here is like what defines a sports enthusiast, what defines an athlete, why maybe some of us who love sports aren't sports enthusiasts. But the reason is that, that that you're here for me is you know i met you through my fiance which is a, a word that our audience is probably sick of me saying but well, i have a fiance too so we can both say we it. could just be and fiance be so fiance <laughs> amber's fiance is a hunk can i say that yeah. is that appropriate oh yeah yeah is. Fiance <laughs> is a hunk and kimber and i met through jacob and i really think that it was Right around the time that like Jacob went out on tour, like that summer that we started to connect and we would help each other tape auditions Mm -hmm. for, you know, different roles that that we were going up for. And we had some really wild auditions that we taped together. Mm -hmm. One where you had me doing my best Jamaican accent. Oh my God. Which I will never do anywhere publicly to be recorded. I just love that you had to get permission first. You were like, Kimber, just so you know, like, I I do have the accent. Like, (laughs) do you want me to use it? I was like, sure. Yeah. yeah." And I think it was helpful. (laughs) It was. It was. It was great. There was another time I took a zip car to your house to do a audition and something 
something had changed within the zip car. <laughs> and when I got back out onto the street, first of all, I double parked it because there was no parking. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to start the car and it wouldn't start. And so I had to sit outside your house for like two hours in a zip car that wouldn't start until finally I just abandoned it. Yes. So zip car, you kind of lost me that day. But I remember um, you, yeah, you were outside and I was just come in yeah. and you're like no i don't want to bother you and i'm like just come in yeah. well it, it, <laughs> it felt like new new days early days yes, in our friendship it was. and also like i was i don't know what i thought was going to happen to the car uh so those were some of our early interactions but mm-hmm. then you started to invite me to go play tennis and i was like i love tennis i've talked about that here last okay. week i actually talked a lot about myself because i did a solo episode mm-hmm. and that tennis is a sport that i always really responded to mm-hmm. and i was thrilled that you asked me to come play tennis. But you hadn't been playing tennis for that long. No. So I I started to play when I moved to New York because I wanted to have something in the city that was mine and that was completely separate from, you know, this this hustle, this game called being an actor in yeah. New York City. Interesting and that I we use the word like this game and yeah. game is like a sports yes. word. Yeah. And it's so funny because at this point I am obsessed with tennis and I play often and I watch, you know, I'm I'm very enthusiastic. And now it's something that I have to talk about in therapy because it it consumes me really in the way being an actor consumes me. Like I get on the court, I get really stressed out. I'm in my head. I, I never play as well as I practice. Like I have to win. Like it's the same sort of like mental game that I play with myself you know when I'm auditioning or like in a show it's it's so bizarre because ironically I chose I chose the sports to have something to bring me like peace and joy Mm -hmm. and I just I go crazy about it it's funny that's that's interesting (laughs) for me to hear just because it it, it, when we're introing you you're like yeah I don't know I'm here I'm not like a sports person and yet here you are saying that you talk about tennis and therapy yes but I mean I guess I I told you this when you asked me I said I know tennis I wouldn't say I know sports yeah um and it it's not until recently I decided to go all in like I'm watching all the matches and I'm at the open and my castmate Michelle Pock is also very into it. No, okay, I am. I guess <laughs> you know what it is. I'm not there is a culture of sports fandom that's a little, you know, for lack of a better word, because there is no judgment here. This is a safe space. But it's a little crazy. Like the The word I like to use is toxic. Toxic. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I was choosing a nicer word. So yeah. I, I would I wouldn't say I'm that. You know, yeah, I wouldn't say that you are either. It's healthy, but I love watching this come alive in you, and yeah. I do think that this is hopefully what I I envision this podcast as being somewhere for people that are queer that want to hear people talk about sports yeah. in like a critical and analytical way, and mm-hmm. we're going to start to move more into that as the podcast develops to be more of like a traditional sporting podcast. Yeah. But I also really want it to focus on you know, widening that door into the sports world and like sort of shedding the light inside our like psyches, our personalities, where do we actually fit into that world? Mm -hmm. And why is it that we want to kind of identify out of it? Mm -hmm. One thing I just wanted to say, and we can talk all about this as we get into the the stories that we're going to cover today, but we really didn't like play tennis when we got to the tennis court. Right. (laughs) We did, you know, but in, in my childhood, my understanding of tennis growing up is always like you get there you warm up you play a match yeah right somebody wins and hopefully it's you Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) uh but we just hit the ball Mm -hmm. we were sort of at different levels Mm -hmm. but it was still like competitive and athletic and i was sweating Mm -hmm. and we talked yes that's what we did Mm -hmm. and we we would often just like stand up right at the net for like 15 minutes at a time (laughs) and just talk. Yeah. And I thought it was really special. Mm -hmm. And for our audience, for queer people, straight people that are listening also, because they have the right to feel excluded from sports. Mm -hmm. I I just wanted to to say that. Yeah. To say that like we engaged in a sporting activity together. We Mm -hmm. got a workout in and really we were just, well, you, I, you identify as queer. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we were just two queer people yeah. standing at the tennis net 
and sharing about being actors yeah. and our relationships and what we were going through at the time. Mm -hmm. So as much as I criticize the world of sport here, I also often try to find a way to talk about the things in the world of sport that I, I find good. Yeah. Right. I want to find the good, the good in everyone, mm -hmm. which is maybe not that dissimilar from what you all are doing over at the Gershwin. No. Eight it's shows not. a week. It's not. And so I feel like we've gotten like a good jumping off point for who we are. You know, I feel like this week, you know, I'm not alone and loveless here. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just the girl in the mirror. Oh. Huh. You know, you know it, these it, lyrics. I, I've got I. them all written down. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just just her and me. Did mm -hmm. I get that right? I think so. The wicked witch of the east. That's my line. We deserve each other. Oh. <laughs> Wait, did, it's possible that whatever website I just copied this down off Wait, of got it wrong. I'm not a. Nessa doesn't say that. Okay, so whatever <laughs> website I went on, I just want you to know. That Wicked is going to be filing a suit against you We're for misrepresenting the you. lyrics. But I did just love that it's, it is just her and me because mm -hmm. it is just you and I. Mm -hmm. And you are, in fact, the Wicked Witch of the East. Yeah. I'm so happy to have you here, my friend. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for And we will me. be right back. And we're back. And in the break, we got to the bottom of the greatest controversy in the history of Out of the Closet Sports. Mm. So the lyrics are what? Alone and loveless here mm. with just the girl in the mirror. Uh, just her and me. The Wicked Witch of the East. Well, yeah, we got to get this website taken down. Yeah. I don't know who we want to... Um, Stephen Schwartz, who who should we put in charge of this? Universal's on it. Okay, they're Universal. listening to this right now. <laughs> hey, Universal, on it. <laughs> thanks for listening. If you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast, uh, you can send your money to me. I will put my Venmo in the description. <laughs> Did you know that Wicked, the Wicked Empire, makes the most money for Universal than anything else, even Jurassic Park? What? Isn't that crazy? So of all the properties that Universal owns, the Wicked Empire, and that's only going to get bigger now that we've got this the film movie. coming out, or two films. Yeah. The two-part film. The two parts. Are they going to get released together, or is it going to be like... I don't think so. They're going to do it like a year apart or something and make us really wait for it. In my marketing brain, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I do think there is something about like creating an event mm -hmm. that maybe will in would increase the level of excitement around something, but I'm sure there are people smarter than me doing the math who are saying, no, no, honey. Yeah, you guys space you it out. You create two events. Yes. Well. It's like all the Harry Potters. Yeah. It's like why the last movie was two. And do you think, oh, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Do you think that they intentionally lined this up with the 20th anniversary of Wicked? Probably. I mean, I think before the strike, everything was going to be done, and then they had to put everything on pause. I oh. So you, you're, you wonder if originally the plan might have been to have the first film coincide a little closer together with yeah. the 20th anniversary. Maybe. Although that I truly couldn't tell you that's all speculation. I will say that um, Ariana and Cynthia. Cynthia were not a part of the celebration. So maybe, maybe not actually. Maybe it's completely oh, independent. That is interesting. Well, I wonder if maybe they couldn't participate because it would have been in a way promoting their film. Right. Well, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, uh, me too. I think it's gonna be great. I but I, so good. I'm more excited, uh, just to to touch on like what your experience has been at the 20th anniversary of Wicked. Because I, I'm not a you know a hardcore empty girly, uh -huh. um, by any measure. I'm like coming around to the appreciation of musical theater yeah. more and more uh -huh. uh, as my my roots inside of it grow deeper and deeper your fiance yes my fiance <laughs> has sort of helped me uh understand i think honestly my resistance to it was that i was so jealous of people that could sing oh. when i got down to it you can't sing i can but i didn't believe in myself mm. and i didn't think i could do that and so i had to knock it because i couldn't try it i hear you and I told you, I'd seen Wicked once before, but right now, I feel like the cast of Wicked was made for me. 
I feel like somebody said, you know, let's make Zach Booth the Dream Wicked cast. Because first of all, you're in it. <laughs> and you are the first black woman to play the role of Nessa Rose. Yeah. Which is huge. Yeah. I, I'd say so. 20 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. 20 years. Mm-hmm. Was there a lot of discussion about that as you were approaching the role? Or did you just audition for a role and... And the the conversation around the importance of your body inhabiting that role came after. It wasn't on my radar uh-huh. until it was a major possibility. You know, like yeah. I was in finals or I was being considered and and I did a little research and I was like, oh, this I've never even seen a woman look like me do it. Yeah. And um, honestly, it just gave me more confidence because I don't think I do the role. Like any of the other women, I can't, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, it, it, it wasn't on my radar. Wow. Well, you're so, so good in it. And I, I, I've said it was one of the most thrilling theatrical experiences I've ever had mm-hmm. watching you up there. I, I encourage everyone, not that like Wicked needs out of the closet sports <laughs> to be promoting for them, but I will. I will go hard for it and say now is a really good time to see it. Our friend, MK yeah. Morrissey, mm-hmm. is uh, one of the standbys, uh, standbys yeah. for Alphaba. She's amazing. And she has a voice that I, I, do ac- I actually do not understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. But I have that experience a lot. Do you remember that time that we did the audition yes. in the second room here? <laughs> Kimber came in to do an audition. And she <laughs> my reaction was, insane (laughs) she was like okay i'm gonna do the song now and when i do like acting auditions we do it over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and uh and you know you're sort of like i don't know i need to warm up get into it like Mm -hmm. find out the right energy and kimber was like okay i'm just gonna sing this now and she sort of was like humming a little bit in her head and then she just had me turn on the camera and she started to sing and it's like the thing that comes out of you is I can't describe it like it sends vibrations through my body it is beautiful and it was spot on exactly right in the moment the moment that you did it and do you remember I hovered in like the corner and wouldn't look at you (laughs) because I didn't know if I should look at you like it felt too powerful to watch like I felt like that guy in the x-men that has to like cover his eyes because like there's laser beams or something I don't know anyway you, MK, yeah. iconic voices. Then Michelle Park. Michelle Park, you already talked about yeah. in our intro, who mm-hmm. I did a play with in 2007. Oh, right. And yeah. I think that she is one of the true, She's true a real great one. actresses oh, that we have. God. And just a, a good soul. And her yeah. husband, who has been in so many incredible, incredible roles and yeah. incredible musicals and plays in mm-hmm. his life, mm-hmm. is also in the show. Yeah. And... Sweet Bill Humans. Yeah. Who played with the original Dr. Dilliman. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the role. If if there's a role for me in Wicked, that is your that's role. the one. I want to like, play that goat. In like 20 years. I know what yes. I want to play it now. <laughs> I feel like I could get away with it now. Maybe. I want to go. I want like Bill Humans to give me a boot camp, hey. like a Dr. Dilliman boot camp. You would nail it. Yeah. You really would. He's, he's the sweetest, most considerate yeah. actor. He warms up and cools down like every show even between show if we have like you know two-day show he's doing his warm-ups like in between he meditates constantly he's just so connected he goes to stage before um he enters for his scene like 10 minutes before like he's just he's in it i love it i love to hear that i did to kill a mockingbird with him oh i didn't know and he was so generous he is very generous I'm one of those people that's like always having a good time mm-hmm. on on the side. Yeah, you know, same. Like, so <laughs> there's always got to be like a fun little moment. You know, actors, we're like that. Yeah. Can you just imagine? Like, you don't want us in your corporate spaces. I can put on a corporate hat. <laughs> we can. We can. I shouldn't say that absolutely. But, you know, like we're up for a good time. Yeah. And Bill would always come over and just play these things. You know, Zach, you're, you're so funny. What you're doing is very funny. You're really funny. And I loved it. And I just love him. And I love seeing him up there. Yeah. I want to just rewind a second because one of the stories, one of the ideas that I had to talk about with you mm-hmm. uh, was the idea of actors being athletes. And you just talked about Bill. Mm-hmm. And I've seen his process. So he warms up and he warms down. 
yeah. before a show. So mm-hmm. like he's doing some physical stretches mm-hmm. out on the stage. When you get to a Broadway show or any play for that matter, there's always time that the crew and the stage management team coordinate on mm-hmm. to allow you to be in the space of the stage before the audience comes into the building. Mm-hmm. And that's the time that a lot of us will go down, stretch our bodies yeah. and stretch our voices mm-hmm. because you cannot do what we do cold or you can, but it can you be could, a little risky. You could break something. Yeah. And yeah. in particular for singers vocally, mm-hmm. right, to, to hit some of the notes that you all have to hit. Dancers but also as well. dancers physically to be doing all those lifts, mm-hmm. all those jumps. And, and this is a really important time for us. And I don't know, like, I think if I put on, like, my teenage judgmental brain Mm -hmm. and I go into my high school hall and I look for the two worlds that I think are as far apart from each other as possible, Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to go to the jocks and the theater kids. Mm -hmm. Now, I was both of those, but my school was really small. It was a small town. There was a lot of, like, social, well, there was a lot of privilege all around but there was a lot mm-hmm. of social privilege in the sense that everybody knew each other right right there 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 were divisions and groups and stuff but it wasn't quite what i imagine it is in like larger schools where yeah. there's so much more anonymity and you really need your group to survive mm-hmm. but i feel like those two worlds of sports and theater are about as far apart as it could possibly be i think culturally yeah they can be I would say the biggest difference is with the theater kid, everyone is daring to be different. It's all about like how versus how you can be, how different, you know, the hairstyles, the way you sing and everything. But I think there is sort of like this this unity that com- that comes with being a part of a sport. You wear the jackets, you're all kind of doing the same thing for the good of the team. I think that's the only kind of like culture difference, I would say. Sure. But I would... I would venture to say mm-hmm. that maybe both of those dynamics exist in both of those places. Mm-hmm. Like in in competitive sports, mm-hmm. even in team sports, mm-hmm. the, the good of the team is the most important. But you also do have those kids that are, quote, better mm-hmm. or more athletic yeah. or maybe have aspirations of a future mm-hmm. in sport. And so there is individuality, but it is based on on your success as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And uh, and sometimes also that can be enforced by your personality. Mm-hmm. I think in the world of theater, mm-hmm. there is also this drive for some people to be better, to win. You know, we don't win yeah. games, but we get the lead roles. Absolutely. And yeah, but I, I think growing up and you're, when you're trying to find your sort of like discourse community and your place in school as like, I, this is more of a like a developmental idea I'm mm-hmm. suggesting. Sure. I, I do believe that it's a lot easier to to acquiesce and to go with store sort of the status quo if you're in a sport because yeah. it's sort of like it's all kind of like built in the popularity. You know, everyone goes to the sporting events like it's kind of just like a shoe in to to finding like community. Yeah. And I don't think that was the case for me and a lot of like drama kids. Like we're the weird ones. You're kind yeah. of like out, you know, side of the of of all the like shiny things that's happening in school until the school play happens and everyone's like, "Oh my god, you're so cool." Yeah, and then you find community. Yeah. It's really fascinating to talk. I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. But I I want to put out there to our audience and to you that I think that I want to consider like there are like Broadway dancers, mm-hmm. right? Some of the greatest athletes that I know, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of athletes, I've watched sports my whole life. Some of the greatest athletes I have ever seen perform mm-hmm. have performed on a Broadway stage. Really? Yes. Ooh. Those dancers. So I think of Ryan Steele, mm-hmm. who is an incredible Broadway dancer. And he's an actor and a singer. He does all of the things. But the way that he uses his body, the way he leaps off of the stage, the amount of time and energy he puts into training and Mm -hmm. has put into training over the course of his life, it is akin to the amount of time and training that somebody needs to put into being a professional athlete. So I just like look at that and I'm like, why it's so similar? Mm -hmm. Why is it so different? Why is it so uncommon to find 
people that are interested in sports in the theater world and more in particular in like the queer theater world. Mm -hmm. And why is it that when you have male identifying queer people, the assumption is that they're not athletic. Mm -hmm. The assumption is that they're not good at sports or that they wouldn't be good at sports. Now, I understand this is like generations of built in toxic masculinity and heteronormativity. Mm -hmm. But I just want to like, whatever, I'm not going to change the world here, but I want to attack it. Yeah. Because I'm looking at it and I'm like, these people are so similar. Yeah. And their their pursuit of their end goal is so similar. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think... It's that culture yeah, that I was it saying. Is. It's the genesis. It's it the, kind of like the high school dynamics yeah. of, you know, like you said, sports is a heavily hetero male masculine space it doesn't have to be but it and even you know professionally who owns those those teams you know the way they're marketed yeah yeah. the way that the fans interact with them professional sports for the most part do encourage that environment Mm -hmm. that is discouraging for queer people or people that i don't know that don't don't want to have a light shown on their masculinity or femininity. Mm-hmm. I think, again, if I'm putting like broad strokes mm-hmm. painting that like maybe for queer females, there's an assumption that they would be good at sports. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, which is also something that we have to understand. And and I think there's obviously a lot of work to be done there. But I, I just think for like the sporting world, I just want to say is missing out by not embracing the incredible athletes that you have in the theater community. You are missing out hardcore. (laughs) And I wonder what would happen if the sports world like opened its heart and opened its doors, you know, to to us. Mm -hmm. Do we want to be in the sports world in that way? Maybe we don't. How do, how do you open up how? Because at this juncture, I feel like we all are professionals and we respect each other, yeah. you know, in the way that like Beyonce goes to see Serena Williams yeah. in a tennis match. And now we have like Taylor Swift hanging out. Like, I feel like the world is a very mixed, I think. But I, I feel like when we're talking about, I think it's, it's culture, it's culture acceptance. And yeah. I don't think that when kids are... growing up in these spaces they have sort of the freedom to choose how to be you know you kind of just go to that that status quo sort of like discourse community it's it's like a survival mechanism Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and um i think traditionally artists are eccentric and we're like praised for that and in the sports world they are not you know and i think that is the beginning of the divide you know no you make a great point too that like i'm not uh, you know it's it's a little silly or naive to assume that people want to be welcomed into the sports world they may not be Mm -hmm. but i just think that for queer people that i have relationships with have experienced a lot of trauma yeah around competitive sports Mm -hmm. youth sports and who knows it's a chicken or an egg is it that the youth sports are emulating what they see Mm -hmm. at the professional level is that the, the professional level is just an exaggeration of what is started in communities? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but there's definitely room for growth. And I think that I'm saying it here on Out of the Closet mm. Sports, actors or athletes. Oh, absolutely. Broadway performers are athletes. In the physical sense, for sure. Yeah. Like I trained as a dancer for, you know, almost 10 years I, and I have to use my body in, in, in a way that an athlete does. I still do, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the mental game is very similar. I, I was on a basketball team when what? I was, yeah, like super young. Here we are it, it was 30 school. minutes into the episode and she finally comes out of the sporting it's closet. It's like way back there. <laughs> it's like way in the back of my mind, but I was on an all boys basketball team Whoa! because I missed the girl tryouts and Mr. Willie was like, you know, she could just be on the boys team. And my wow. mom was like, no, she cannot be on the boys team. And he's like, it's fine. Very progressive for the for the late 90s and I wasn't particularly good at the sport but I really loved the challenge of pushing my body to the limit and pushing my mind and 
I was really great at defense. Like I was, I was Shaq. I was number five. I was in the center. Wow. And so I was, I, the ball was like my food and I was just, I devoured it. I always just put my heart into it. And I think I got better. And it's sort of like, it's similar to Steph Curry. Like I remember watching his documentary um, and it just talked about how he wasn't like, you know, the number one pick, like even though he came from, uh, you know, father in the sports world, they they were not sought, they were not seeking him, and he pursued it anyway. And he was like so dedicated to the sport. And I find that as an actor, and you know, as someone who just wants to push their body, they don't want not wanting to hear no. I I relate to sports people in that way. Wow. Yeah, I'm listening to you talk about this. And I'm thinking, why, why does he want me to be on his podcast? <laughs> and then here it is. You're giving me basketball team. You're giving me a Shaquille O'Neal really reference. <laughs> You're giving me a Steph Curry reference and a Del Curry reference. I think that's his dad's name. And I am just blown away. <laughs> and it makes me uh, so thrilled that, that, yeah, I don't know. I think you're... Well, I think I just, I admire people like Curry, like Shaq, like Serena Williams because of the tenacity, yeah. because of the the dedication for something that doesn't necessarily have a lot of reciprocity, right? Like as an actor, I am born with certain innate qualities that are mine, that are, you know, from from God that I can't necessarily change. Like mm. I, I sing this way, I look this way, but I'd be damned if someone's going to tell me that it's not enough and I'm going to work and work until I get to that point. You know, I think with sports people as well, like because it's all about our, what we bring to the table physically and in so many ways that's, that's very like, it's you can't you can't change what God has blessed you with. You mm. know what I mean? No matter how hard you want it, how hard you, you know, work and it and it just really at the end of the day, it becomes like, how can I push myself past those limits that have been set in front of me? And I, I just totally, totally identify with that. Yeah. I think it really complete the circle on what we what we see as similarity, simpatico and a mm -hmm. lot of these professional athletes coming from our perspective as actors. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a really interesting conversation. I appreciate you having it with me. We will be back. And we're back. Uh, so we started on the tennis court. We were 10 feet away from each other, chatting it up. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in very short order, you were like the face of the U.S. Open or yeah. a face of the U.S. Open. I what went down? Face. <laughs> no, I... Tennis brought me so much joy this summer, um, and I was very grateful because I feel like I did manifest it. And so to see a manifestation really come to life, it's, it's just really exciting because you know that the universe is actually working for you. And um, I acquired this friend. Her name is Hillary, who's also a Broadway actor, dancer, everything. And she loves tennis as well. So we like we put it in our Google calendars Every Thursday, we are playing tennis at two o'clock, no matter what. Wow. And we stuck to it. And so many things just started coming our way because of it. She's a model as well. And she submitted us for this um, campaign for OnCloud because they're now using Iga and um, Shelton. So they wanted to kind of like bring the community into it. And we booked the we booked this modeling gig. Wow. Um, and they gave us all of this like amazing on swag. And Iga and Ben came and, and played with us, which was really fun. And um, we did this like really cool photo shoot in Brooklyn. So now I have all these great photos of me looking like I'm this like tennis star. You looked incredible. I thank you. It oh, was very fun. The come up was fast. The come up was fast. And it was real. Yeah. You look so good. You were giving pro athlete. I feel well I mean, going back to what we were saying before, like I did train as yeah. a dancer, you know, yeah. I work out often. So yeah. and I think naturally I do just like have, you know, longer limbs and, and things. So yeah, I looked like I knew what I was doing. And I and I do. Yeah, I do, you do to some extent. You do. Yeah, I remember walking out of a club with my friend, not a club, a bar with my friend. And um I was like, Can this night get any better? And then we look over and it's like my big 
face on a billboard in Brooklyn. Oh, so that was really cool. A billboard. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. And then um, what else did we do? You went to, did, how many we, days did you end up going to the US Open? I only went once okay. because of, you know, the Broadway schedule. Yeah, um, that's right. And I usually get lucky with the US Open. When I'm in a show, I'll just kind of like, you know, tap on the PR people. And I'm like, is there any way we can get the Emirates box seat situation? Yeah. And they always come through. And for whatever reason, Wicked could not come through this wow, year. And I was shocking. shocked. I know. I was really shocked. Maybe over 20 years they spent all their... Yeah. You know, I think they're just like, this is not our focus. Okay, like, you have enough. to get your own connect. Uh-huh. Um, And then my publicist just like found some tickets and was able to throw them my way. So we went to, well, who did we see? Yeah, we who did saw you see play? TFO. Oh, incredible. Um, it, that was amazing. I also uh, was introduced to um, Townsend. Um, she's a black woman. She American. is American. How far did she go this year? She didn't go super, super far. Is she, does she play in mixed doubles with Ben Shelton? She, no, okay. no, no. You're thinking of Coco, who I did see as well. No, I don't think it is Coco. It's not Coco? Um, oh, no, me, they're hitting partners. Let me look it up. Taylor Townsend. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, she was amazing. We just had such a good time. And I discovered Fan Week, which I didn't even know was a thing. Have you been to Fan Week before? No. So a week before the U.S. Open, you know, and they're setting up and all the players are there practicing, you can go for free to the U.S. Open and you can watch all these people practice. So I, I watched Shelton and, um, and Coco practice. I watched Ons. I, I was oh, just there in fan week. And so it's nice good. because you get to get all of your swag before the actual U.S. Open, you know, when the... The stores are just completely crowded. Yeah. Get your time to just like, you know, shop on mm-hmm. your own. And they have they, everything and every have size. They have everything and every size. Yeah. You don't have to wait in line. And they have all these like, you know, really cool activities for people. Like I said, it just brings me so much joy. So to feel like I'm actually creating community and I get to, you know, just really be involved and meet people. It, it just it makes me so happy. And next year, Hillary and I are going to start, we're kind of workshopping the name, but it's definitely going to be like Black Girl Queer Tennis. Okay. Love it. <laughs> Where we teach people how to play. Oh, and cool. And quite like you said, it's not going to be, you know, about the game and someone has to win and you get to the court and it's like very austere. Like it's really about community and, and teaching someone this beautiful sport that we care so much about. Um, because when I first started playing tennis... In New York City, it, it is. It was very elite. It was very elite, and I felt like I wasn't wanted because I wasn't already a pro. You yeah. know, like we would go to these courts, and people just get really. Um, they can be really like nasty, and I know it just comes from a sense of like you know seriousness and and competitiveness, but it it really ostracizes people. I would say so. I want to create a space where people can go. And be comfortable on the court and and be happy, even though they're not, you know, necessarily really good. But you can learn. That's how you learn. Yeah. I think tennis court etiquette and the culture of tennis is really one of the things that makes it prohibitive for people to get involved in it. Yeah. And I do think that when you watch the way that people navigate the tennis space, sometimes it can be a real turnoff. It's such a turnoff. And that's and... really cool that you're looking to find a way to make it more welcoming and mm-hmm. more interesting. Definitely that's what the US Open is up to mm-hmm. with Fan Week. I haven't done that. I have in my childhood when I would go with my mom, we would get like the day passes, mm-hmm. you know, and just wander around the smaller courts. Yeah. And nowadays that's like built into me. Like there is something great about going to Arthur Ashe or, or Louis Armstrong, you know, the the premier courts and seeing the premier matches, you Mm -hmm. know, like we saw uh, Swiatek uh, Mm -hmm. lose this year, you know, as the number one seed and it was shocking and it was this incredible night and we saw Djokovic play Mm -hmm. and that's great. But it was the moment on the grandstand Mm -hmm. where we had just stopped by one of the lounges or something because Jacob had a credit card that got us in for whatever. Oh, yeah. The American Express card. I had it too. (laughs) His was, I think he was, we were at a chase one. Oh, they have a chase? Yeah. And uh, we pop over to the corner of, to look down onto the court Mm -hmm. and it's Taylor Townsend and Ben Shelton playing mixed doubles. Yeah. And so this is the, second time in three years that we've gone 
that seeing Shelton, who made it all the way to, did he make it to the final? No, he made it to the semis. He made it to the semis. And a couple of years ago, we saw Alcaraz on that same court yeah. playing singles when he was not ranked. Right. And he was in this like five setter. Mm-hmm. So it's there. There. There are ways to be exposed to the highest levels of tennis, mm-hmm. even without having to pay. Yeah. That huge premium. Right. And I love watching the teens, yeah. you know, fight for a spot to get, you know, into the competition yeah. because I know I'm going to see them again, yeah. you know, and I can, I'll be able to say, oh, I, I saw you when you were just coming up, yeah. you know. And you can tell me, you can say the come up is fast. The come up is fast. And the come up fast. is real. girl. Yes. Incredible. Yeah. Well, congrats on the, the billboard and the campaign. And I can't wait to hear more about the... What are you calling the the black queer girl tennis circuit? Yeah, black black queer girls play tennis okay. too. I All don't right. know. We're yeah. workshopping it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right. We'll be back. And we're back. So as we were preparing to do this episode, you flagged that you wanted to talk about Margaret Court. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's a great a great topic, a great thing to talk about because we haven't brought her up. And we did talk about a lot about Billie Jean King. We talked about the inclusivity and the pay equity and everything that she brought to the game of tennis mm. with her presence and her existence. And Martina Navratilova, another really popular, powerful queer tennis player. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we need to look at the other end of the spectrum. So for people that don't know, Margaret Court was a former Australian number one tennis player. She currently is a Christian minister. So... Say no more. That's the whole story. No, I mean, <laughs> no shade to the Christian ministers, but also shade to the Christian ministers. She's like evangelical. Yeah, like and, she's, yeah. she's radical right. And I just feel like when you say that trajectory, mm-hmm. we just know where the story is going. Right. <laughs> so she won 24 women's singles major titles and 64 total major titles. And that's the most in women's tennis history. Mm-hmm. In 1960, it would was... be good to note that a lot of those titles, though, came from before women were playing professionally. So, those, okay, just throwing it out. All there. right, good to know. Just that... because when we talk about Serena uh-huh. and Court, I just want people to know that there that... were not nearly as many women playing professional tennis when Margaret Court was first winning the titles. Yes. All right, there we have it. That's an important qualifier, an important asterisk. We want to asterisk these records because, first of all, I I think that Serena is. The greatest, the greatest, of all time. maybe the greatest athlete of all time. I'll take it. And Marge, we'll call her Marge, started at seventeen, <laughs> and I mean her resume is just wild. Yeah. Um, but she's completed a Grand Slam, a, an annual a Grand Slam, which is when you win all four major singles titles in one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, she only played, I think, for seventeen years mm-hmm. and won that many titles, so she was really dominant. So for comparison. Serena played in a much more competitive world, but mm-hmm. Serena played for, I think, almost 27 years mm-hmm. or something, you know, because she played from, I think, the age of like 15 mm-hmm. to her early 40s. Right. So it's just wild the amount of success that she has, right? And wouldn't it be nice if the WTA, the USTA, well, not the USTA because she's Australian, mm-hmm. but the WTA and the Australian Tennis Association could hang their hat on this iconic tennis player and walk her out and and show her around and say, look, this is somebody that we're so proud of. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, there are a lot of reasons that we can't be proud of her. Yeah, uh, There was a lot of controversy. A lot of this was unearthed publicly again uh, recently when Australia elected to give her their highest award, their highest national award. It's called the Order of Australia. Mm-hmm. And... They uncovered all this nastiness. I mean, I've got like two pages of full nastiness. She wrote a letter to the West Australian, which is a a newspaper in Australia, complaining about the Qantas airline, uh, which is the largest airline in Australia, for being a corporate supporter of same-sex marriage and saying that she would boycott the airline. Like, girl, what? Like, I just... When you have a platform because of accomplishments Mm -hmm. that you made in one lane, Mm -hmm. and then you decide to just drive across the highway, hop over the median, and into a lane of a different highway entirely, going a different direction, Mm -hmm. and start honking your horn, and when you're doing it at the expense of queer people, I'm going to have a problem with you. So Marge... We have a big problem. We have a big problem. Uh, She also (laughs) said in 2017 that tennis was, quote, full of lesbians... And that trans children were the work of the devil. 
Like, she did. Like these children don't have a hard enough time coming up in this world that denies their existence, that denies their identity, that attempts to like therapize and force them into existing in a way that some adult that exists outside of their body Mm -hmm. believes that they should. During the apartheid in South Africa, she said she she likes what's happening. And in South Africa, she feels like they have finally figured out the race problem. Wow. She's out of control. Truly. And I just stumbled upon her when I was looking at some Billie Jean King content. And I, you know, I saw that, I saw this amazing player and I was like, who is she? Cause yeah. I know so much about Billy. And um, so then when I looked into court, all this stuff came up yeah. and I thought it was so fascinating because we have two women that are exceptional at the sport and they both have since, you know, being these tennis stars, they've moved into more of an activist world. Mm-hmm. Billy was obviously because she was out at, outed by her girlfriend and Marks just decided to take this sort of leap into politics and they were both afraid to do it yeah. when they were coming up because they knew it, you can't really mix sports and and your politics all the time which well, certainly not that's something that 1970s. I 70s yes certainly not in the 70s but I also get that you know people don't want to make their career and their sports about politics like mm-hmm. that's what we have the politics for I'm one of those people who believe that you, just because you have the platform doesn't mean you should be um, spewing things of other people's expertise, you know? Mm-hmm. But it, 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 the fact that Australia still wants to honor this woman and they still want to keep her name on the stadiums is just so infuriating to me. Yeah. You know, we talk about this all the time in the art world. Like, you can't really separate the artist from the human anymore Mm -hmm. because we have people like r kelly and michael jackson and bill cosby who have just made that really hard to do and we need to start holding people like margaret accountable in the way that we're holding all of these you know celebrities all these like r&b artists a couple of things i want to touch on one you brought up the wanting the courts to be renamed Mm-hmm. which is something that uh, Martina Navratilova, Billie Jean King have come out and said that they've condemned her for her views. And also Navratilova and John McEnroe one time paraded a banner at the Australian Open calling for the court uh, that's named after Margaret yeah. to be renamed. I also think that it is curious mm-hmm. and should be explored why in the moment where Serena Williams mm-hmm. was on the precipice of breaking this record that had stood for a really long time Mm -hmm. and was being widely considered as not just the greatest female tennis player, potentially the greatest male tennis player, potentially the greatest athlete Mm -hmm. to have played professional sports worldwide, that in this moment, you're going to beat the drum of a racist, homophobic, transphobic, hate-filled person yeah and you're going to elevate them in that moment do you think i'm off base by thinking that maybe that had something to do with serena Mm -hmm. and what she stood for do you think i'm off base for thinking that it's extra problematic that they chose to shine a light on her when it was just not her time and when it was the time of somebody else who represents an entirely different version Mm -hmm. of politics and existence yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely an interesting connection. I mean, black women, black people in general, we have to work 10 times as hard mm-hmm. to to get, you know, what you know, anyone else could do, you know, in in one breath and I I think it was just very fascinating that they not only put this information out there and wanted to give her this recognition, they even put out a statement saying, "We know she's said these things we don't Mm -hmm. agree with those things but we still want to honor her on you know all the things she's done in a a lifetime as a tennis player and you said so yourself she only played for 17 years so she's been doing more activist work as a bigot and homophobe (laughs) than she's actually played tennis at this point you know and so i i do think it, it is an interesting connection because here we have serena 27 years 
doing the work 10 times as hard, 10 times as, you know, uh, Margaret. And still, yeah, she was disregarded. I didn't think of it that way until you said, but it is an interesting connection. Well, I feel like, you know, shame on Margaret Court and shame on Australia for not, not reconsidering this when it happened. Right. And I don't know, I'm glad that you brought it up. Sometimes it hurts to talk about the ugly truth. Mm -hmm. But uh, in particular, where we're talking about a queer perspective on sports, we're talking about queer people existing in sports spaces. Mm -hmm. When you have a figure who is prominent and public, Mm -hmm. who is being held up, not just by a sport, but by a nation. Yeah. I think it really does help sharpen the focus on why it is that these spaces can be so hard for us Mm -hmm. even if we're not encountering the direct homophobia right in our interactions with the people that we engage with on the court Mm -hmm. we still are being reminded constantly that uh hatred for us is okay right that's something that we can just put on the side yeah while we talk about people's accomplishments i agree we're not good with that we're not we're not it's not okay you got that marge We're not good with it. We'll be back. And now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, game time. Yeah. I love games. Oh, good. So uh, this week on game time, I found this article on Playbill that is 13 plays and musicals about sports. Okay. And so I thought maybe I would give you the title of the player musical Mm -hmm. and you could guess what sport you think it's about. Okay. And some of these, I just have to say, I had never heard of. Uh-huh. So. I mean, we'll do our I'm best. not a historian. We'll use context clues. <laughs> but okay. we'll see. This one's pretty famous. It just had a big revival where okay. there was a lot of hot male nudity. Oh. oh. It's called Take Me Out. Yes. What sport is Take Me Out about? That was baseball. That was baseball. Yes, Kimber. Okay. Right? And did you see it? I did. I liked it. Okay. I I dare say I loved it. Ooh. I mean, if we want to get into that. Uh huh. Mostly, I did not love the set. All right. She didn't love didn't love the stadium, but she loved the team. Yeah. I I I didn't love the direction. I didn't love like the coach Uh so much, but I I definitely love the players. Okay. Beers, take me out. I will say, can I tell you this really really quick story? I did the um. I was invited to go and did the you know red carpet thing, interviews or whatever. And I did not know that I was going to be seeing nudity. I had no idea. So when they asked, what are you looking forward to the most? I just said, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some fine men. I cannot wait for these Kimber. fine men. But I had no idea. The I had scandal. No idea. So then we're going in to you know, put our phones away. And I, I remember asking my friend, like, why are they taking our phones? And he's like, because there's nudity. And I was like, oh, God, I look like... The biggest harlot. I gotta find this interview. I don't think it made it because okay. I think they they knew they yeah. had my back. Thank okay. God. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's incredible. I mean, they were handsome, they but were. that's not what I was. Yeah. I was not. I'm not a predator. All right, let's just. Kimber's not a predator. <laughs> when she said that, she did not know that she was going to be seeing giant swinging penises all not. over the stage. All right, up next, uh, this play. Okay. I'm not familiar with. I'd okay. heard about it, but okay. it was called The Wolves, and it was at Lincoln Center. Ooh. Is that, that's a play? Yeah. The Wolves? Well, okay, we're thinking of, it's very animalistic. Their fight, is it boxing? Mm. No. It was a good guess, though. It was soccer. Oh. How about this one? I also didn't hear, but it's got this great actress, Repo Kwan, who uh, I love, mm-hmm. and um, it's called The Great Leap. Track. No. Close. Oh. No. Not, I don't even actually think you can say close. It's basketball. Oh. God. And I only know that because the picture is them having basketball. Okay, this one you got to get. Okay. Damn Yankees. Oh, baseball. Yes. 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 I'm a big Yankee fan, so that makes me very happy. I've never seen that play. I haven't seen it either. Okay, how about, well, this one you're going to know. What? Rocky. Okay, yes, boxing. Yes, boxing. Did you see Rocky? I did not see Rocky. I saw it. My friend Jenny Mudge was in it. She's an incredible actress, Jennifer Mudge. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went mostly to see her. Mm-hmm. But they literally elevated a boxing ring and like sent it out over the audience. That's very cool. And it was cool. But I also have to say, like, I'm one of those people that if I don't feel safe, Mm -hmm. I can't enjoy something. Yeah. And it just didn't seem safe to me. I'm sure it was safe. It absolutely was. I do not want to feel like, like there's a boxing ring that's like floating out over the, like, no. That's very cool. I would love to see that. Please stay on the stage part. 
How do you not feel safe? You <laughs> thought it was going to fall I on just, you? Yeah, not so? even on me. I just was worried about the other people that it was going to crush. They're safe. Okay, they had a tech I know. rehearsal. I'm sure. <laughs> I lived in Philly for a second. I did Memphis at the Walnut Street Theater. Oh, and sure. I would run a couple of miles and I would always run up to the Rocky Stairs for, oh, the, for like my were. last little bit. We're going to get sued for that. It, it wasn't. You only can get sued if it's like exactly the, the court. Oh, and good. And they're not. So. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was a read. That wasn't a read. Okay. That up wasn't next. A read. <laughs> Me and my off key. Oh, this this must be an advertisement. Oh, I think I think that this see okay. Okay. <laughs> this one just says cast, but I think it's bring it on. Oh. Cheerleading. Cheerleading. Great. Is there another sport in Bring It On? Did you see Bring It On? No, it's just about cheerleaders. Okay. Yeah. I've seen I've seen the movie. Is this picture that I'm showing you from Bring It On, do you think? Or is it something else? Is that not High School Musical? Oh. I don't know, though. Was there High School Musical? It's a picture of people that are, there are cheerleaders. Let me see if I can recognize an actor. And there are, yeah, it says Bring It On. Yeah, Bring It On was a musical. All right. Adrian Warren. Yeah. But this, I guess there was also basketball. Like, there were cheering maybe for the basketball team. Sure. Okay. But cheer. Great. How about good news? Good news. That feels like bas- or baseball, but I don't know. It is baseball. Okay. As right. I'm over here squinting at this picture trying to figure out what they're doing. <laughs> but it is baseball. That was good. I'm hey. so impressed. Ooh. Um, uh, how about the Royale? Is that a play or a musical? I believe play? it was a play. Um, I'm looking at this great picture of Clark Peters, who's an incredible Clark actor. Peters. I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and say baseball again. Because, boxing. Okay. I think it's boxing. From what I can tell, they're they're leaning on what appears to be a ring here. Okay. Um, but the Royale, I guess, kind of gives me boxing. The Royale sounds like a venue. I feel like there's so many plays and musicals about baseball. So that's going to be yeah. my default. How about <laughs> Golden about. Boy? Do you remember Golden Boy? It was a play. Uh-huh. I don't know plays too okay. well. Yeah, no, it's tricky. This yeah. article, because it's giving plays and musicals, I auditioned for Golden Boy, so mm-hmm. I remember very clearly what the sport is uh-huh. in that play. What but I will say that uh, I believe in the original production, or I don't know if it was the original, but there was a production where Sammy Davis Jr. starred mm-hmm. in the title role. Wow, good for him. And it is about the sport of boxing. All right. right. <laughs> we almost got there. How about... Um, Oh, gosh. Have you ever heard of this? The elaborate entrance of Chad Deity? No. It's a wrestling play. I had no idea that there was so much. Okay, this one you got to get. Okay. Remember this play? Magic Bird. What? I don't know. It's Magic Backslash Bird. Oh, 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 that was a play? Yes. Oh, I love that basketball. Yeah, there we go. I knew I had to give you the backslash because in, in theater, if you hear Magic Bird, you're like, oh my gosh, what is this musical about magical birds? I think I have gotten there yeah. magic i would have gotten to him yeah. yes yes i didn't see it but i i'm sure i, I don't know it's such an interesting story i love their story i really love their story all right well that was it those were all the musicals uh, and plays you guys didn't even it didn't even have um what were what's we missing the one? we're missing that musical um about the shoes um kinky boots kinky boots yeah is that was, about sports well yeah the backstory is uh billy porter was a boxer and his dad oh, was a boxer. I didn't remember and that part. there's a whole part. like big boxing scene where someone wants to call Billy Porter out of his name because he's gay and oh. he's like, well, we can fight. And then the guy's like, of course I'll fight you because you're a girl. And then he kicks his butt. Oh, right. Yeah, I thing. did see Kinky Boots three times and I'm yeah. ashamed that I didn't remember that it's a plot good point. One. You hear that, Playbill? You missed Kinky Boots. Were there any others? Were there any others? Not, not, no, not off the top of my head. All right. Well, I, I was, just knew Kinky Boots was yeah. coming. So I, was I was gonna waiting. give us a losing grade, uh-huh. but then I think because you got one that Playbill didn't, I'm gonna give you a winning grade. Thank you. Ding, ding, ding! Extra you heard credit. it here first on Out of the Closet Sports. Kimber Elaine Sprawl has won game time. I can keep my musical theater degree. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back. <laughs> 
All right, that's all the time we have this week on Out of the Closet Sports. Kimber, Elaine, Sprawl, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us here. Thank you for having me. Good luck with everything over there in the wonderful world of Wicked. If you haven't gotten a chance to see it, I would get over there so you can see Kimber play Nessa Rose. Yeah. And you can find her on Instagram at Kimberlyne Sprawl. Give her a follow. And don't forget to tell your friends about Out of the Closet Sports. Tell them how much you love it. Give us a like, subscribe, whatever people do to podcasts. You should do it. Yes, share. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here, my friend. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com